0: Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, if you will. My name is Jim Fleming. I've been a member here at Stewart Heights for almost 15 years. And I teach a Sunday school class here at the Hickson campus. Uh, The staff asked me last week to speak to you this morning. I'm very excited and grateful and honored to be here And if you don't like today, Gary and Daryl and Brian will be back next week, so don't worry. Hebrews 11 is known as the uh, Hall of Faith because it celebrates so many different believers. And it is really just this amazing list of Old Testament events that is almost mind-boggling. So Hebrews 11, we'll start in verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then starting in verse 4, we see this list of Bible celebrities. In verse 4 it says, by faith Abel. Verse 5, by faith Enoch. Verse 7, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Verse 11, by faith Sarah. Verse 17, again, by faith Abraham. Verse 20, by faith Isaac. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. Verse 22, by faith Joseph. Verse 23, by faith Moses. Verse 24, by faith Moses. And verse 31, by faith harlot Rahab. And verse 32, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David. This list is so famous that David is an also in the list. All right, so just, just to wrap our heads around that. And Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and women received their dead raised to life. And people said, that was weak. People said, Amen. amen. This is incredible. This is absolutely unbelievable stuff, things that I wouldn't believe if it wasn't actually in the pages of Scripture. But the problem, it's not really a problem, the transition is that period after the word again. Because at that period, everything shifts. The next word is others. If you write in your Bible, circle that word others. Others were tortured. Well, that doesn't sound incredible not accepting deliverance. They might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. That, that doesn't sound incredible. They, they were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And my question for you this morning is what were their names? What were their names? Bible doesn't say, does it? We don't know. So if I had to split Hebrews chapter 11 up into two different sections, and if you're a blank filler outer, here's your first blank. God gave faithful heroes... He gave faithful heroes. These are all the names that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. These are Bible characters that have flannel graph status. Now, some of you grew up in churches like I did where you learned the stories of Scripture through flannel graph. And if you have no idea what flannel graph is, it's basically a fixed background where you affix characters and objects to it so that you can change the story week to week at a very low-cost execution. So that's what it's about. So we're going to take some great moments in flannel graph history. All right. So let's go to the next slide, guys. So somebody tell me who this is. That's Noah. How do you know it's Noah? It's a big ark in the back, right? This is not complicated. Yes. There's animals. There's a rainbow, right? It's Noah. Now, what you may not know is that this river is also the Jordan River where Jesus is going to be baptized next week. It is. It transitions that way, right? This is the beauty of flannel graph. You got this background, you use it for a lot of different things. But the thing I want you to remember is that only the celebrities got flannel graph. Noah's got flannel graph. Let's go to the next slide. Here we see Jesus talking to his disciples. And I, I've, I never really understood as a kid why Jesus always looked like he was a real estate agent showing people property. But he, he's kind of got this, here we go. Um, he's got his disciples there and they're intently listening which if you read the scripture this this never happened right i mean they're just squirrels running all over the place so he's speaking to them uh, let's go to the next slide we've got jesus again with you know are doing the thing who's he talking to here that, what's in the kid's hand uh, do you see fish i don't see fish do you see bread no but that's what you thought of right because the picture is meant to bring you to the story To remember what happened here Let's go one more Flannelgraph also could be really, really big This is how my church did it growing up sometimes We had these massive, massive sets of flannel graph And I don't know if you can tell But this dark object on the left hand side of the screen Is actually a microphone stand So it shows you This is probably like a 6 foot tall 10, 12 feet long set of flannel graph. I mean somebody took some, put some really serious time Into this flannel graph And I I show you these pictures to talk about verses 4 through 35 because those celebrities have flannel graph. But 35b through 38 in Hebrews 11, we have to move past the flannel graph because there are no flannel graph pictures for those stories. There's no flannel graph pictures for somebody being sawn in two. How's that going to go over in junior church? Yeah, it's not going to go very well. So we're going to move past the flannel graph. So this second group of characters here in Hebrews chapter 11, God gave faithful others. That's your second blank. And their lives are reminders that life isn't always clean and neat. We have a real enemy who is fighting for keeps. There are stories with tragic earthly endings. So what category do we fall into? What do you think? Are we, are we the heroes or are we the others? We're the others. We're absolutely the others. In case you didn't know it, the canon is closed. Scripture is being, has concluded being written. We, our stories aren't in there. We're the others. And that's okay. I came to the realization several years ago that when I die, CNN is not going to go interview my wife. Which is really, she is extremely excited about that. Because she doesn't want any part of interviews. I, I, actually, I'm not going to tell you where she's sitting unless she gets aggravated at me today. So we'll go with that we are the others. We are the others. I'm okay with that because the Bible's not about us. The Bible's not about the others. The Bible's actually not even about the heroes. The Bible is about something, someone better. So I want you to watch a video with me for just a second here. This is an adaptation of Tim Keller's speech that he gave at the Gospel Coalition about eight years ago. And it's just Beautiful. If you have ever wondered how these things are connected all the way through Scripture, this video will help us understand that. Who is the Bible about? It's about Jesus. Every solitary page is about Jesus. So when I walk you through this story here in just a second in Acts chapter 9, we're going to read about guys, and it feels like they are disconnected from the story of Jesus, and they are not. It is all about Jesus. Jesus. Now, before I go there, I'm going I'm to step aside from what my prepared remarks were today. I'm going to talk about something that happened on Friday. Y'all know what happened on Friday, right? Yeah. Our Supreme Court said that sin is legal. Put it as plainly and straightforward as I can. They said sin is legal. Here's why this is a problem for me. Just like the story of Adam and Eve... The story of Abel, the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, the story of Noah are all about Jesus. Marriage is about Jesus. Because when God set marriage up in the Garden of Eden, he said there was a man and a woman. And he did that so that, this is so beautiful, so that thousands of years later, when Jesus shows up, he could show us all, What Christ's relationship to the church was all about. And when we mess with this, we mess with this. That's why we don't get to redefine what marriage is. Because when you do away with either the bride or you do away with the groom, it is no longer a picture of Jesus and how he loves his church. That's what it is. i really want to talk more about that but i have a feeling that gary and brian and daryl might just cover that topic over the next few weeks so we'll we'll let them walk through that so if you didn't get your blank the bible is about jesus so flip over to acts chapter nine acts chapter nine and i want to show you a story about the others and i think they're fascinating I think there's stories that we can relate to a little more than standing in front of thousands or millions of people and leading them through the Red Sea. I, that never really resonated with me, right? So Acts chapter 9, I'll bring you up to speed. We're going to start in verse 23. But the first 9 verses of Acts chapter 9 are Saul's conversion. So Jonas, this is this is Saul is a murderer and if we had to use a word to describe the way in which he was doing things the word that i would use to describe it was genocide because he had government backing to kill people based on their religious beliefs that is genocide saul is converted he sees the light on the damascus road it's a beautiful story in scripture I think actually even a more beautiful story is the next 10 verses in 10 through 19, where Ananias comes alongside of him as he's blind, puts his arm around him, nurses him back to health, and introduces him to believers all across that city. It's spectacular. Because when you go from murderer to church member, you might need a friend. Just... Just a thought here, just a thought, right? So that brings us up to verses 20 and 21 and 22, Saul preaches. You're like, okay, we've put it in drive, we're rolling now. Now, most commentators think that there's actually a three-year gap between verse 22 and verse 23, where Saul probably went to Arabia for a few years. If he did, great, then he's been a believer for three years and a couple of months. If he didn't, he's only been a believer for a few months. And then we drop into Verse 23. So look at verse 23 with me. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews, and at that time, these were the enemies of Christianity, they plotted to kill Saul. See, Saul is now preaching Jesus instead of preaching against Jesus. The gospel is a beautiful thing. But their plot became known to Saul, and the Jews watched the gates. Now, I want to show you what this word watched means. Uh, Sean, can you help me out for a sec? I rarely travel without a crew of guys, so I got my crew over here today. They were at Chattanooga with me this morning, so I'm going to use them a little bit here. So here's what this word watched means. Does that make you uncomfortable? Yeah. Why don't you move around a little bit? They were all up in his business they were looking at the gate because they just assumed that the gate was how you would leave the city because that makes sense right there are three four one two three four exits out of this room that you would normally think about however there are more ways to get out of this room Let's see what these others came up with. Their plot, verse 24, became known to Saul, and the Jews watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples... I miss their names. What are their names? These are the others, right? I don't know their names. Then the disciples took Saul by night and let him down. Now, I want to explain this Greek word for you a second. It's actually got a really long definition for let him down. It means to send or to let down from a higher place to a lower place by slackening or loosening something? What would we use to take something from a higher place to a lower place by slackening or loosening something? What do you think? A rope. rope. Yes, this is not rocket science. Excellent, good. Let him down through the wall in a large basket. Really? That's interesting They had to get him out of the city Now some of you might be wondering Through the wall? Like what? That didn't make any sense Well, let me tell you about biblical architecture Biblical architecture There were houses built in the wall So you had a wall around the city for protection You had massive gates That were only opened and closed uh, At specific times There were guards there To make sure the right people came through The right people left But the walls were very, very thick They'd have an inner wall And then an outer wall And people lived in between the walls that's where your house was. They're called casemate walls. Wall here, wall here. You lived in between. That's what it was. Now, where would you put a window in a wall? High. Why high? You don't want the bad guys crawling in the window, right? I mean, this is, this, again, it's very, very simple stuff. So when they talk about putting him in a basket and tying a rope around it and letting him down, this was not like the window at your first floor of your home. This is the window of your third floor of your home where you'd look out and you go, nah, better not. Don't, don't think I'm going to jump out of that. Don't think I'm going to try that. So I want to taint this picture for you because sometimes we talk about Bible stories and we don't actually see how it works. So guys, you ready? Let's do it. So I went to Lowe's yesterday. And purchased, and you're going to want to get to where you can see the balcony. So if you're sitting in the back and you can't see the balcony, I welcome you to stand up and move forward. You're going to want to watch this. I went to Lowe's yesterday and purchased a couple of things. One of the things that I purchased was a great big container. Hey, And this container is military grade, and it is rated to hold like 300 pounds. I am not 300 pounds. I also bought some rope. The rope is rated to hold 400 pounds I am not 400 pounds It's pretty cool The carabiners on the outside of this thing I promise you, you want to watch this So if y'all in the back, seriously, you can move up and you can see The carabiners are rated to hold uh, What do they hold? 250 pounds each The 300 pounds, they were too expensive So we decided not to go with that Um, So so here's basically the premise There's nobody down there, right? Y'all good? Jonas moved. He left you there. I want you to note this, right? Hey, Jonas. That was kind of sketchy, man. All right, you ready? Cool. Now, yeah, we, we hung on the glass at Chattanooga, so just be careful here. Now, before we do this, I need to ask a very simple question. My heart's racing a little bit. does now uh, let me remind you of something though Gary's at Saudi Daisy Brian and Daryl are in Honduras nobody has to know (laughs) nobody has to know okay I have a very simple question for you does anybody object does anybody think this is (laughs) great Tim Reagan you're going to ruin my example right here You, you don't think I should do this what? Oh, ye of little faith! Why should I not do this, Tim? Well, I mean, there's some obvious danger involved in It's crazy! Yes! We would never think about doing this. This is. I am not. They are not lowering me over this. We are not doing that, okay? Y'all think I'm going to get in this basket and they're going to let. Well. That That is ridiculous. They're all acting like they're going, Sean's ready to. I didn't stand in it at Chattanooga, and they were like, you got to stand in it. (laughs) Albert said, Julie was telling them about my life insurance in the lobby, and they're they're getting a cut, so I'm liable to go over the balcony here. I don't know. This is absolutely crazy. There is no way in the world that we would think about doing this, right? And I want you to think of something. I want you to think about that first question that's on the screen right now. I want you to think about, What was going through Saul's mind? When they closed the lid on that basket and they started lowering him down, what was going through his mind? I have a couple ideas. I think the thing that was going through his mind the most was don't let go of the rope. (laughs) Hold on with everything you've got, boys. Don't you let go of that rope. What happens if they let go of that rope? We have a mess. We have a real mess. So I want to talk to you this morning about those rope holders. I want to talk to you how we relate to those rope holders, how they are us and how we are called to hold ropes. So performing this successfully, which they did, because we didn't read about Saul breaking any bones here, right? He didn't limp to the next town. Performing this took a couple of different things. The first thing it took was choice. They chose to do this. They chose to meet in the middle of the night. They chose to love. They made a choice to hold that rope. The second thing it took was courage. If these Jewish leaders were going to kill Saul for what he was doing, what do you think they were going to do to the guys that helped him escape? They would have died. Had they been caught doing this, They would have died. It took a whole lot of courage. This was still Saul. He doesn't become Paul for four more chapters. He's still a nobody. He's a murdering nobody. And they loved him. They welcomed him. They put their arm around him and they protected him. Now, if that's not inclusion, I don't know what is. Three, it took strength. They were strong. I don't know if you, the last time you picked up a grown man. They're heavy. Yeah, they're heavy. They were not too tired to do the hard work of rope holding. They didn't burn themselves out on their own work, so they had no strength left to hold Saul's rope. Jesus wants our bodies, not just our souls. We sing about heaven all the time, and it is beautiful, but he wants us right now, right here. I got to believe that when Jesus said in the New Testament over and over and over again, love one another, that what he meant was not let's go talk about loving one another or let's study what the word love means and fill out a blank. I got to believe he actually meant love one another. And that requires showing up and holding the rope. Fourth thing, cooperation cooperation this happened by night somebody dreamed this thing up now if you know your bible history this wasn't the first time somebody was let down through a window over a wall in a basket this is actually the third time this shows up in the bible the first was the spies at jericho rahab did that with them the second anybody know the second david's wife Michal did it and then the third here is saul in the basket So either these guys knew their Bible or they were crazy Either way they had to be crazy to go pull it off They brought simple things a rope and a basket Probably things that could be found in their houses But sometimes simple is best So you say jim. What's the point? What's the big deal? Why should I hold a rope? Number one, I don't know who's in my basket See they had Saul in the basket They had a murderer in the basket who'd just been a believer for a very short amount of time. They didn't have the entire New Testament because Paul hadn't written it yet. They didn't know the rest of the story, and they cared anyway. They loved him. I don't know who's in the basket. I don't know who's in your basket. I don't know what God's going to do with them. I don't know what God's not going to do with them, but don't you dare let go of the rope. Number two, I might be the only one holding someone's rope. And if you're the only one holding on and you let go, boy, it makes it harder on everybody else because when that basket hits the ground, it makes a mess. And when somebody's at the end of a rope, we better hold on. Number three, someone is holding my rope. I want us to think about everybody in our lives holding our ropes. And for most of us, it began on this earth with our parents. Maybe you had a school teacher that held your rope. Maybe your siblings, maybe a best friend, maybe somebody you met in college. Maybe, for some of you, maybe your kids or your grandkids. I want to talk about my rope holders this morning. The first one's my wife. This is going to shock you, but I am hard to love sometimes. I know this is just shocking, right? But I really am. I make it extraordinarily difficult to be loved at times. And she holds the rope. She supports. She's there with me walking right there with me. Half the time telling me to get out of the ditch, but walking right there with me. <laughs> Two for me is my 2 a.m. friends, and you saw some of them, these boys sitting on the front row over here that dragged that container up there and acted like they were going to lower me over the edge. They're my, you know why I call them my 2 a.m. friends? Because I can call them at 2 a.m., and you know what they're going to do? They're going to answer the phone. And there's an awful lot of folks... That won't answer the phone. And when you answer the phone for somebody at 2 a.m., you learn everything you need to know about them. Right there. Because they cared. They cared. I've actually called most of those guys at 2 a.m. in the morning before. And some of them have called me. And you know what we do? We answer the phone. They hold my rope. Now, I have another rope holder who prays for me every single day. It's my mom. And today, I wrote it down. Today... She got saved a couple years before I was born. And uh, somebody told her that you should pray for your kids every single day that they're alive. She took it to heart. So today is day 14,288 that she's been praying for me. You tell me that ain't cool. That's a lot of rope. (laughs) That's a lot of rope. Somebody else is Darla Skinner. I told this story. I'm going to get tore up now. I told this story in Sunday school class maybe six years ago, something like that, Jules. And Darla comes up to me afterward, and she said, uh, well, sounds like a big job. I'm going to help your mom out. And she's prayed for me every day since then. Holding the rope. It's beautiful. Now, if you look at these three bullets up here, does it feel like I might be leaving somebody out? Who am I leaving out? Actually, I'm not going there yet. I'm going there in just a minute. Who's holding my rope? There we go. Jesus. If you know anything about me, we are not going all the way through any type of a lesson without talking about Jesus. So Jesus is holding my rope. And the beautiful thing is just as we saw in that True and Better video, Jesus is the true and better rope holder because his hands never get tired. His will is never broken. His resolve is going to take place. And his execution is flawless. And he has promised to the believer to never let go. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always hold our rope. That's fantastic if you're a believer. You don't have that promise if you're without Christ. That promise doesn't count for you. If you came today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that promise is not for you. You are on your own. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when you're in the basket, you can't hold your own rope. It doesn't work that way. You've got to have somebody to hold your rope. So you might ask, well, whose rope can I hold? That's a great question. Let me give you some ideas. I think you can hold the unbeliever's rope. This isn't on your handout. There's somebody that you work with. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody that you go to school with, but you can hold their rope. You can witness to them. You can pray for them. And don't let let go of that rope. Don't let go of that rope. You can hold the believer's rope. You can support the members of Jesus' church. And I'm not talking about Stuart Heights. I'm talking about Jesus' church. It's much bigger than Stuart Heights. One of the most beautiful things that we ever did was go to multi-site because it broke us of the mindset of everybody that we see are the only people that's going to heaven. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Support Jesus' church. Find a rope and hold it. I promise you, there are people in this building right now that need help because everybody needs help at some point. You can hold your spouse's rope for those of you that are married. And I get that this is a hard one because many of us have had spouses that have let go of the rope and walked away. And it was a mess and it hurt and it was hard. And I'm sorry for that. But if you're married right now, you dig in your heels. You brace yourself and you hold that rope. Don't you dare let go of that rope. And if you've got kids, you hold their rope. Our enemy is described as a lion roaming around looking for someone to eat. If the Chattanooga Zoo called the news and said, we just let go all of our lions, they're roaming the streets. And the news comes on and says, lions are roaming the streets in Chattanooga. I can promise you that nobody is going to say, kids, time to play outside. <laughs> no. You're going to, I want to say hide your kids and hide your wife, but I won't do that. You, I did, didn't I? That came out. Oh, well. Again, Gary's in uh, Saudi Daisy, Daryl and Brian are in Honduras. Nobody's got to know. Sorry. Hold the rope. Don't let go of the rope. Say, Jim, what do I do with that? Well, I'm going to get real practical. What do I do with that? Number one, hold my brother's rope rope holding is a great way to love people I love faithful hands I love faithful hands that show up early and set up I love faithful hands that serve I love faithful hands that stick around afterward and clean up I love faithful hands that are looking for a rope to hold when you came in this morning to this sanctuary was your mindset what can I get or what can I give and I hope it's what can I give because I promise you that there are dozens of people in this room right now that need help. They need support. I love faithful hands. But rope holding is not without pain. Rope holding causes blisters. you ever got a blister from holding a rope? Rope holding causes cramped hands. It's rarely noticed, and it is vastly underappreciated. Do not expect to have a billboard made in your honor if you are a good rope holder. That's not how it works. Rope holding is not the way to the top either. If you're in a big organization and you want to get promoted, rope holding generally is not the way to do it. Generally. But everything Jesus calls us to is important. No matter how big or small we think the rope is, don't let go of the rope. I want to be as inclusive as I can with this message today. So number one is hold my brother's rope. Number two is hold my sister's rope. See, rope holding is worth it because of the people in the basket. Everybody needs help. And there are many of us that work tirelessly to make Stewart Heights the place that Jesus wants it to be. Help. Please. For those of you that are working and serving and holding ropes, thank you. Keep it up. Jesus sees that and i'm not talking about if you're in a period of illness or you're in a period of sickness i got an ear infection this week and my ear my right ear closed up and i think this has happened to me in the past i think the eardrum actually burst and it's extraordinarily painful and it knocked me on my back for a couple of days this week and i was not able to do anything couldn't hold ropes at that time but you know what i went to the doctor And he gave me some medicine, and I got better. And I'm here holding a rope. So if you're going through a period of illness, I'm not talking to you, but if you're going through a period of laziness, I am. It's time to get serving. There's a lot of work to be done. Jesus' kingdom never stops growing, which in and of itself requires workers. That's what we are. We're the others. Don't let go of the rope. Jesus loves those in the basket. I think you could almost call Christians people of the basket because we've all been in the basket at some point. We've all had somebody that held onto our rope. And my favorite part of this entire lesson today is point number three, be held by Jesus. I don't want anybody to walk out of here and feel like I am preaching a works. Well, actually I kind of am. I am preaching a works salvation. Jesus worked, I enjoy it. Work salvation. Who knew, right? Hold the rope. Because we have a true and better rope holder who is holding us. We have someone who has promised never to let go. When this earth burns up one day, he'll still be holding the rope. Throughout all of eternity, he will be holding the rope. It will not be for us. It will be for his glory. We will look at him and his role in our lives for all of eternity and give him praise and glory for what he has done and how he has loved even me. It's a beautiful story. I love these others. They are my favorite people in all of the scripture. These folks that faithfully hold the rope. So this morning, I ask you, don't let go of the rope. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you this morning for your big, beautiful plan of redemption. We thank you for sending Jesus to hold our ropes. We thank you for the protection of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for being a faithful God. Many of us have come this morning wanting to hear from you, and I ask that during this time of invitation that you would speak to our hearts. Convict us where we have been ungrateful to you for faithful rope holders in our lives. Burden us with a strong desire to faithfully hold our brothers' and sisters' ropes and help us to see what a beautiful Savior Jesus is for eternal faithfulness in holding our ropes. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this is an opportunity, this invitation, for anyone that'd like to learn more about how to be a child of God how to be a part of the family of others and rope holders that I've talked about this morning, part of the family that God holds. This is also a time for anyone that would like to come and join with this local congregation and be a member here at Stewart Heights. We need rope holders, and we'd love to hold your rope. Perhaps you've been waiting to be baptized and take your first step of obedience in Jesus as one of his children. Whatever it is, you are welcome here, and you have friends here at the altar to help. Maybe you need to come forward this morning and thank God for a rope holder in your life. Or come forward this morning and pray for God to strengthen your hands so that you can be the rope holder He would have you to be. Maybe you just need to sit where you are and praise God faithfully for holding the rope of your life. Stand with me if you will. With no one looking around, I'll ask our praise team to sing.